0: Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer, thanks for joining me. On tonight's show, Julia Lee of Berman Invest looks at the stocks you might want to buy now to make money next year. Adam Doerr of Shore & Partner does exactly the same thing. He goes down the same path looking for those sorts of stocks that might do well over the next 12 months or so. And then we have Michael Gable of Fairmont Equities, who's going to look at a number of stocks that have been under pressure lately, and a couple of them have been doing really well. BHP, CBA, Linus, Land Tyro, Zip, and Mike's hot stock will also be thrown into the mix. This is a stock that's been over $60 in recent times. It's now around 40, but Mike likes to, sit to uh, the, the shape of the charts he's looking at right now. And then Gemma Dale of Nabtrade Trade tells us what stocks investors are chasing right now. Watching the trend can really be your friend when it comes to investing. That's the show. Let's kick off now with Julia Lee of Berman Invest. Julia, thanks for
1: joining us. Great to be here, Pete. So,
0: Julia, I've asked you to look at some stocks that you think are, look like good buys now that may return the bigger dividends or returns in 2022. So, what have you come up with?
1: So having a look, I guess at the moment we are seeing travel stocks coming under pressure and those companies which are exposed to Europe. So short-term trade, we know that these lockdowns can be opportunities to buy these type of companies relatively cheaply. And when things open up, you know, activity usually bounces back relatively quickly. So what we are seeing is Austria going back under a national lockdown. And we're also seeing additional uh, restrictions coming through in Germany. So we are seeing some of the travel companies trading at two-month lows, I think that's an opportunity to accumulate if you haven't already had a chance to get into those stocks. But really looking into 2022, one of the areas that I'd like to go back to, which we don't have a lot of exposure to at the moment, is the material space. So looking at the miners. We know that iron ore prices have been under pressure, but I suspect after the Beijing Winter Olympics in February that things may start to return back to normal. So looking at uh, those iron ore miners towards the beginning of next year so that's one of my New Year's resolutions. And look, Pete, one of the best trades for us this year has been uh, exposure to those stocks which are going to benefit from uh, the net zero situation. So stocks like Pilbara Minerals, uh, the lithium miners like Orecobre, Linus has done very well for us as well. And I believe that this is a structural shift that we are seeing. So this is something that's going to last decades. Um, And at the moment I think that uh, lithium pricing is still expected to be quite strong in 2022. The times look at jumping out of these stocks, which is just as important as jumping in, is when you get that big supply response coming through, because most commodities aren't difficult to dig out of the ground. It just takes a bit of time.
0: Yeah. What's interesting is that we're waiting for those vaccination issues, those virus issues to dissipate, which probably are going to take three to maybe even four months to to actually happen. But when they do, economic growth should surge should help the material stocks at least you know, for six months or so at least.
1: Yeah, look, I think the COVID-19 this time around is very different in that a lot of the hospitalizations are happening uh, with the unvaccinated. So like here, where we did see a surge here in Australia, and that caused vaccination rates to go through the roof, I think we'll see the same type of thing, especially in places like Austria, where the government's looking at um, mandating vaccinations. So it does look like a lot of those severe cases are in the unvaccinated. So as those vaccination rates go up and the booster shots come through. Hopefully that will also uh, help those COVID cases come down a lot more rapidly. Don't forget the northern hemisphere at the moment it's winter and it's thought that you know it's much easier to catch the virus indoors rather than outdoors so that colder weather is also playing a a part in things as well but look I'd probably be avoiding things like uh, European uh, shopping centres at the moment, um, office buildings uh, as these lockdowns sort of make their way through the system but um, hopefully going into next year these will become less and less common um, as things return to normal and we have I guess better ways to combat uh, COVID-19 than when the pandemic started.
0: Julia what do you think of a company like Len Lease it's really struggled it's, it's down r- around near its lows um, I, I figure in the future it's going to do well It may well take a, a year or two before it happened but do you have a view on Lend Lease?
1: Yeah, look, I think this one depends on your timeframe. There could still be a bit more short-term pain um, as it looks to try and turn around its operations. And look, one of the things that the market's really been disappointed with Lendlease is that it's pushed out um, its return on equity targets where it's trying to get its return on equity targets higher. But at the moment, I think it's all about execution. So it's, if it's able to do that over the next few years, I think the market will reward the stock. Of course, in the short term, we know that the construction space and the contracting space can be quite difficult. Lend-lease with its exposure to office buildings, it's been pretty volatile as well. But really, I think at the core of Lend-lease is really these gateway communities that it has in large city centres. And I don't think that that our concept and project and strategy is dead. And I think it will be an engine of growth for it. So it depends on whether you're looking at investing over the next six months or the next six years. I suspect if you're looking at the next six years, then now would be the time Time to be accumulating here as it tries to turn around its operations. But really, you're buying that a turnaround story and those goals that Lenleys has to 2020, 2025.
2: Yeah.
0: One last question before we go. I know a lot of people are saying, well, look, there's probably going to be a bit of a sell-off um, uh, because of the, you know, the Austrian issues and you've got question marks by inflation and interest rates and whatever. But what's your feeling about the stock market overall in 2022, and I I should also add this part to the question, if you were really nervous about the future of the stock market, would you go and hold a a lot of cash? Would you actually liquidate a lot of your portfolio and maybe even start doing some shorting?
1: sure sure. so I guess looking at the market we we always look at things like market volatility and whether we think volatility is going to increase and then introduce some protection into our portfolios and the way we do that is through buying puts or moving a greater portion of our portfolio into cash so we don't actually go into shorting because shorting can be quite difficult to do while the markets sort of near these record highs and and still rising so timing the exact turnaround can be quite difficult. I like to look at things in, in cycles, Pete. So I think we're mid-cycle and mid-cycle generally, you know, you've you can see a correction of around about uh, up to 20%. Um, But look, I still think we're in growth mode after that. So I think any sell-down would be an opportunity to accumulate further. And look, the growth rates have been coming down a bit. If we have a look at, um, I guess, the growth rate in 2021, it's about 6%. That's supposed to fall to about 4.7% and 3.5% for global growth. But we're still growing. um, And I think that's going to be a positive in terms of the market. The other thing we're watching very closely is interest rates. I think once they start to rise, it will be okay, because generally rising interest rates is a sign that economies are doing well and growing. But I think the initial uh, inflection from pandemic settings to rising interest rates, that's going to cause a bit of volatility as well. So look, I think there's going to be a lot more volatility in 2022. But I think that's positive for longer term investors to accumulate and just keep an eye out for those opportunities.
0: Love that kind of talk, Julia. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Pete. Well, to look at the stocks for next year, we have Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners. Adam, great to see
3: you. Yes, thank you. It's fantastic to be here, Peter.
0: All right, mate. So I, I asked you to look at the stocks that you think are good buys now but will probably, you know, uh, produce results next year and I'm kind of thinking to myself the reason why I thought that well there's going to be much stronger growth next year eventually vaccinations and eventually concerns about more outbreaks of the virus I presume will become less and less of a concern and we'll start getting really good growth what kinds yep. of companies are going to be you know the beneficiaries of a much stronger economy and getting back to normal so take it away the first one you want to talk about is the material sectors, all right right?
3: Yeah, we can talk about, definitely talk about the material sector. And certainly the first one is the, the big boy in the room, BHP. Now, everybody might think, well, that's a little bit boring, Adam. Maybe pick something that's a little bit sort of uh, more growth orientated. But let me try to convince you one way or another. And we've got some more growth orientated stocks going forward. But there's three things that are going to be happening with BHP coming up that is going to be very, very essential going forward. The first thing is that they're selling their oil and gas assets uh, in the first half of next year. Now, that's going to be a massive transaction, uh, 51% or 49% going to Woodside. That is going to be a big transaction, and I think that's going to be beneficial to BHP shareholders more than it will be for the Woodside shareholders. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is is that they're also in the second half of next year getting rid of the London Stock Exchange, or it's called the Unity Trade. They're going to be getting rid of their dual-listed business in the UK, and it's all going to be coming back to Australia. So one, the market cap's going to rise. Two, that you're going to see BHP now, all transactions around the world is are going to come through the ASX. More volume means more price activity, and that we should move the thing or move the share price going forward. And the third thing is, is they're talking about, and they will action now, going into potash. Potash is a massive industry. They're going to be feeding the world and they're going to be using that. The Potash goes into fertilisers, goes into making arable soil. And I think that's a major step forward for BHP. Getting away from iron ore, getting away from coal, uh, getting away from oil and moving into potash, I think is one of the three reasons why I think BHP will be a good buy next year.
0: Okay, good solid argument. Let's go to the, to the really tricky one. And I, I must admit, a lot of people who are, warming to the idea of that something has to be done about climate change, I started to wonder whether uranium is going to be a, a future alternative. And you've gone for a uranium stock.
3: Yeah, I have. And, and Paladin is probably the one that, I mean, there are some other ones in the sector, but certainly Paladin is the most premium stock as well as the most liquid stock in the market They've just come out and said they're going to restart their Heinlich. Uh um, Someone's going to correct me on my pronunciation on this one, but they're going to start up their major mine going forward. Um, it one Paladin remains our preferred stock in the sector, and I think that's the key thing that you need to be aware of. Always stay in the top quality businesses. Don't go for the smaller ones. Always stay in the qu- top quality businesses. Uranium, yes, is probably going to continue to do well. We do see that, uh, you know, power stations. Uh, greener energy going forward and certainly Paladin is one of those ones once they start up that new mine that is going to do well as well so yeah Paladin we've got to buy on that one here at Partners. and Partners
0: and I suspect as a long-term play as well um, Adam there's just going to be a lot of science and uh, um, research into how do we make uranium safer it, it clearly is great for the environment provided you don't have major problems and you actually can dispose of the waste but because there hasn't been enough money thrown behind it hasn't been enough care or desire for it nothing really progressed but gee the world's getting really on board with climate change concerns and I wouldn't be surprised to see something come along around you know, safe nuclear over the next five to ten years, and that would be very good for the share price for uranium miners.
3: Agree, yeah, absolutely. And and it's the it's the wall of money, the green energy, the 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 ESG money that is definitely coming down. That tsunami of money that's it's going to come, and and you can't ignore it now. I mean, we potentially might have talked about it and laughed it off five years ago. But certainly now we're here. And I think, you know, out of out of the, the five stocks that I'm talking today, three of them have that sort of ESG or green side of it.
0: Well, let's go to the, your hydrogen play, because a lot of people are interested in hydrogen. I think uh, Twiggy Forrest from Fortescue is doing a lot to talk up the big H. So what's, your, what's a good way of playing hydrogen?
3: Well, there, certainly it is an, uh, uh, an industry that's in infi- infancy. So in other words, don't get caught up because – no one's really making any money out of this, and no analyst can really model on how to put an hydrogen plan together, let alone put a company together and see if revenue is going to come in the door. Mm. So the first thing is you need to be diversified, and that's the reason why I've, cho- I've chosen uh, hydrogen. It's an ETF from ETF Securities called HGEN. HGEN is this is the ticker code for those people playing at home, and that has a diversification of over 30 stocks from an index that is basically all, all to do with hydrogen. Now, you, if you wanted to pick one stock, I don't think that's the right play to do that, Peter. I think you need to be diversified. I think you need to have a group of stocks that are coming for, you know going forward. And also there's different types of hydrogen. There's green hydrogen, which is powered by recycling or renewable energy, but then there's blue hydrogen, gray hydrogen, and there's all these different types of hydrogen out there. Now, the technology has been around for a long time, but it certainly is something that we are all starting to go forward. Even Japan, I saw in the Fin Review today talking about getting rid of LNG, looking at hydrogen and looking to Australia to help them with that production of hydrogen going forward. So, uh, you know, the government's putting fleets, they'll put hydrogen cars on the road. I think this is something that, you know, for next year, the year after and the year after, I think this is a good one. Staying diversified, H-G-E-N is the stock code and it's an ETFS, so ETF Securities
0: easier yeah playing hydrogen is a bit like playing playing biotech is a, a bit of a gamble and if you put 30 into one pile and four or five end up being the equivalent of an afterpay or whatever yeah. that's when the big dividend comes for the etf yeah a reasonable Absolutely. approach yeah let's go to the telco sector now what do you like there because Everyone always thinks there's only one, one company there, but of course there's not.
3: <laughs> there's not. There's certainly lots out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, look, it, it's done very, very well um, and um, I think will continue to do well. And it's a small little stock called Aussie Broadband. You've probably seen uh, us talk about this one before, but also uh, you would see the advertising uh, on television as well. And I think that's been really effective. One of the big things that Aussie Broadband has differentiated itself now, obviously, telco you need about you need to have good connections, fast speeds, internet, those kinds of things. But they've really differentiated themselves by having an Aussie-based telco uh, customers te- customer service um, uh, area. So you know, sometimes when you'd ring these international companies, you might go to India, you might go somewhere else. Uh, Aussie broadband is all staying Australian, Australian, and what they've done is that they've been started to become the market leaders in customer service. To that fact that Telstra has actually brought back its customer service um, call centre back Mm. to Australia because they've had so much backlash and they're losing customers to Aussie Broadband. Now, the reason why I like Aussie Broadband is the whole idea is it's a small telco. It's nimble. It can move back and forth. It can actually do things pretty quickly. uh, It can take uh, market share away from these guys. They just did a large acquisition. They've raised some capital I think this is a really, really good business. It's definitely not for the faint heart. It's certainly not a Telstra. It's not a lot, you know sort of boring. This is going to be volatile. But I think that they've got the right mix of customers, customer service, and getting the, getting the job done. Uh, ABB is the stock code we've got to buy here at and Partners.
0: Okay, let's go to data now. Of course, data, just like anything that's in the green area, is the future. What do you like yeah. in this space?
3: Well the, the 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 one I like is Global Data Centres GDC. Now the reason why I like this one, yes, it does have that sort of green side of things, but where does all the data go? This this podcast, this, this uh, anything on YouTube, anything like that, data needs to get stored somewhere, and that's what I really like. GDC. The reason why I don't go for Next DC or for Macquarie Telecom, those kinds of things, these guys are trying to do things here in Sydney and Australia where the land values are so expensive to get a data centre, because basically a data centre is a big warehouse where you can stack racks of uh, data, uh, data storage. Uh, the rent is ridiculous. The land cost is ridiculous. GDC said, look, we're going to be global. They've got some stuff in France. They've got some stuff in South America. They've got some stuff in Guam. These are the kind of things where they can get a better better return on their capital. Uh, they've done some in Perth. Um, this one's a small one. It is slight, slight, lightly traded. But we've really got this thing uh, uh, going well and going at a, at a decent, um, I guess, price target going forward. And I think this one is a warehouse of the future. And I think GDC would be a good buy to hold for next year.
0: Okay, mate. Some interesting stocks. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you in a couple of weeks' time.
3: You're welcome. Thank you. Have a great day.
0: Well, I'm joined by Mike Gable of Fairmont Equities. And I want to ask about a number of good quality companies that recently have been beaten up by the market to a, to an extent to see whether there's any signs that there could be a turnaround you know, in the wind. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. The first two stocks in particular are ones that fit that bill, Mike. BHP uh, is a company that has done really well. It's come off the boil. And it's, it seems to be up and down around a certain level, but... What are you seeing with your charts?
2: Yeah, I think the, the BHP share price is starting to stabilize. So it does look like there is a, a low triangle form in BHP. So we obviously had that big drop in, in August, September. But since then, the, um, the share price range has started to tighten up. So that's what I'm trying to show on this chart. I've put in a, a couple of blue lines there to, to show that tightening up. So I think it's just a matter of time until it's ready to, uh, to get moving higher. Um, what you could do is actually have a look at, for our viewers, if they have a look at Fortescue, Fortescue's already gone through this process where it, it seems to have bottomed out, the range has tightened up, uh, and I think it was about a week or two ago we had a, a move higher in, in Fortescue. So Fortescue looks like it's already found lower. BHP seems to be um, doing the same thing on the chart.
0: Mm, okay. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to um, uh, Trade, uh, Gemma Dale, and she was saying that Fortescue is a, a pretty popular stock uh, whenever it gets sold off. Mm. And uh, you make the point that uh, recently um, they've, they've been piling in on it. Let's go to CBA now. Um, this is very recent. I, I know it's probably too early for the charts to show anything, but I lived in hope. Um, it, what what are you seeing right now?
2: Um, yeah, look, not a not a great move last week. I mean, I have to admit, I you know uh, we we spoke about this one a few weeks ago, and I really liked the way it was trading, and uh, mm. you know, it fell away last week. Um, there is some support at current prices, so I've drawn a line uh, at that low in July, and you'd expect some sort of bounce from here. I think at worst, if it if it can only bounce for a couple of days and then becomes weak again, um, there's there's very big support just under ninety dollars, which isn't too far away. So mm. it it'd just be interesting to see what it can do from here. If it does find support at current levels, I don't think it's going up in in you know in much of a hurry. I think at best, if it finds support here, you might you might see it just you know build a bit of a base for for several weeks and then it will be um, ready to get going again. So yeah, just just be interesting to see what, what it does here over the next few days.
0: Yeah, my view on CBA and PHP as well, I, I think they're companies that will benefit from a strong global economic growth here in 2022. Mm. And at the moment, I guess it's all talk, we, You know, we have to actually see the results, there's question marks over vaccinations and lockdowns in Europe. So it makes sense that BHP you know, is taking time to take off. In the case yeah. of CBA, it's more you know, the local readings, but what's going to pull them out of these local readings would be a much stronger Aussie economy in um, 2022. And that's why I think that looking at a company like these around these levels, or maybe at the next bottom one, would be a pretty easy, easy play to um, commit
2: to if you're prepared to be a patient investor. Yeah, I agree. And... Um... The point with CBA, I, I still have CBA as my preferred bank. I think it's the best bank. Yes, it's you know more expensive than the others. And, and we've seen you know the short-term effects of that over the last few days. But you know, if our viewers all pull up a chart um, of each of the banks going back the last several years, the, the last major top in the banks was in 2015. CBA is above that level. Um, and I think a lot of people be surprised that the other three banks are still well below those peaks from 2015. So longer term, uh, I think you're better off with CBA. Okay.
0: Let's go to our next one now. And this is um, Tyro. Now, I've noticed that Tyro um, has been very volatile. Uh, I've also noticed that uh, there's a bit of sentiment against it now. I'm not sure whether it's uh, related to um, specifics about the company or and it, it did uh, report that what wasn't well received um, from the market um, but it's it's, yeah, it's in that payment space as well or payments companies have, have copied at rest in time. And that's what I'm intrigued to see what the charts are telling you.
2: Um, yeah, obviously the last few weeks not uh, not great for tyro. I mean if we go back a month ago, it was sort of knocking on the door of that, that level around 440, which um, we could see on a few occasions now is, is where it has found a lot of selling. So I think eventually if it gets through 440, that would be a, a, a massive buy signal. Um, but in the meantime, you know, it looks like it's still in the wilderness, Uh for the time being, it's, it's heading back from, from those higher levels Um, In some ways, it's been fairly range-bound for the last 12 months. So, Mm. um, you know, potentially if it gets towards the bottom of this current range, you know, maybe if it dips under $3 and finds some support, that might be uh, an opportunity. But, yeah, definitely at the moment, um, there's, you know, some negative momentum there.
0: Yeah. I I think a lot of the payment companies are are really on the outer. Uh, Do you think there's a... A link between the payment companies and tech stocks, even though they're not necessarily tech stocks in there, they all have technical sort of software and whatever. Mm. But do you think there is a bit of a sort of a market association between the likes of Zip and Tyro, I suppose, for a special now? Yeah. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think I think some um, I, I think some investors do get a bit confused. Um, that there, is, there, are, there can be quite a bit of difference between a lot of these companies. On the one hand, you've got, you've got businesses which can scale up very quickly. A lot of, a lot of their sales are online, um, you know, or in the cloud. Um, and then you have a, a business like Tyro, which, uh, you know, there's it is, it is a bit more sort of tangible stuff to it, you know, it's, um, you know they've, they've got to get the terminals out there. They're very much linked to the reopening um, of, of the economy as well, so you know it's it's a bit unfair to treat them on the same plane as as, as some of the other high PE tech stocks, yeah, like the Wise Techs
0: or Altiums or whatever. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. Also, it's it's kind of like a cross between retail and finance, isn't it? When you think about it, it's, it's rather. And you're right. It, it probably probably the next real positive um, move for Tyro is going to be when we have our total economy reopening remember we're still not getting into queensland or wi are we and right. uh, yes yeah, and fast growth of the local economy should be good for a company like this but yeah good point yeah let's go to the next one now mate and uh, this is more um, well, here, zip yes.
2: what's the the charts telling you about zip yeah still still no turnaround yet um on this one so the pace of the slowdown in the last few months or so has slowed down, um, so, but it is still falling. I mean, it's there's not really too much to add. I mean, we can see that um, at the end of last year, uh, it bottomed out around $5. So I think, you know, like a moth to a flame, I think it'll be drawn towards that $5 level in the short term. And then, you know, if you get a bounce off there, that might be a a bit of an opportunity but at the moment yeah just a little bit too early to to be getting back into this one mm. i guess um the the, high, the highest hope for
0: for zip investors would be that uh, it sees a repeat of what happened at the um beginning of 2021 as a nice rise but uh certainly haven't seen anything like that for a long time let's go to the next yeah. one now um mike
2: yeah, this isn't a, yeah, it's not a very good looking chart, at least, I mean, as we can see, um, it got absolutely uh, hammered during uh, the, that drop with COVID um, last year, and although it did bounce pretty strongly off those lows, um, while the broader markets continued to kick on over the last 12 months, um, this one's just, as we could see, it's just uh, downtrending. So I guess similarly to to Zip, there is a, a low from last year that it's getting close to. So, those levels just under $10, uh, it might draw in some buyers. But again, at the moment, I just think it's too early. I just see a, a stock in a downtrend. Um, so, I think it's best to avoid for the moment.
0: Yeah. And it is a company that clearly still has question marks over the office blocks it owns. Um, it also has, has a number of strategies around, you know, linking. You know, retail retail precincts to residential, but it's all out there at the moment. No one, particularly the short-term players, probably see this as a slow burn at the moment. There's not not much of a fire happening under the company.
2: Uh, Look, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, other other sectors seem to be uh, benefiting, or other stocks seem to be benefiting from everything that's happening out there with the reopening and. You mm. um, know, the, the retail spending, construction spending, it just doesn't seem to be playing through to a land lease.
0: Okay, let's go to a company that actually is in a hot sector. That's namely Linus. Um, yep. And um, I, I was, I'm not an expert on charts like you, Mike, but this is looking pretty positive.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, bottom bottom left, the top right. Um, yeah, I've, I've mentioned Linus a couple of times huh? um, during the year. Peter, I think as recently as October, it was it was my pick. I, I think this still looks great. It's um it's trending. Most recently, there was some resistance just under eight dollars, and a couple of weeks ago, it popped above that. So, yeah, it uh, it should just be drawn towards the next major level, which is around ten dollars. Um, I've I've even had a couple of clients um, buy it as recently as today. I'm still still happy to buy Linus. I think it looks really good.
0: Yeah, and I guess, you know, as you can see, there are pullbacks, but those pullbacks are, are really controlled, aren't they? And It says something about the future of this product in the sort of
2: the modern technology products of tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, you know, there was a bit of a, a deep pullback during September, but we have to remember, you know, the whole market looked a bit iffy back then since early october as as you say peter any pullbacks have been fairly fairly measured fairly small the buying comes in um and the stock just keeps keeps grinding higher so yeah i think it looks really good
0: okay let's go to the next one now
2: this is your selection yep yep so look another another resource stock so mineral resources um it's a it's a it's an almost eight billion dollar company so quite a large business um Iron ore production. Uh, they've got uh, the lithium side as well. Um, so this is one that uh, that I've been picking up over the last week. Um, we've traded in and out of this one before, as as we could see it. It's fallen quite a ways. Those peaks in July. So we're talking sort of sixty five dollars all the way down towards forty. So yeah. I think for this one to recover from let's call it $42, even back towards 60. I mean, that's that's quite some significant upside here um, for investors. So I've been watching it pull back. And what I've noticed is it, um, you know, found a bit of, there was a bit of support around $40 and also around $38. Um, and just seeing it sort of bounce off those levels and get back above $40 recently um, and breaking that downtrend, it all looks pretty positive to me. and. Um, yeah, as I said, look, based on, you know, even here, there's still some decent upside. So, I've, I've, again, this is another one of those stocks, even as recently as, as this morning, I've been buying more of it. So, yeah, I think there's some good upside here. The interesting thing about mineral resources is that, okay, it's got the iron
0: ore, which clearly has been affected by, by China's slowdown and stockpiling and all that, all those sorts of things that get thrown in, but also, you know, at the point... It's in lithium as well, which is a, a, a,
2: an area that everyone wants to be in. So it's diversified, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And we can attribute a lot of that recent decline to the falling iron ore price. But I'm still of the opinion that, you know, the iron ore price is thereabouts at its lows and it will recover whether it's in the next few weeks or it needs a few more months once we get past um, the Beijing Olympics. Um, I think the iron ore price will head higher. So you, you'll have that, that increase in iron ore price and obviously the, uh, the interest in lithium to, to really get the, the share price of Nim heading higher. Yeah, great stuff. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter.
0: Well, joining me now is Gemma Dale of NABTRA. Great to see you, Gemma.
4: Great to see you too.
0: I won't ask you Tyler. The last time I did it was so long, so complicated. But the most <laughs> the most important reason why we, we want to talk to you apart from the fact that we like you, is that you know, you actually look at what people are trading, what's really hot, what's mm. not. And let's kick off with the stock that is the most traded stock on NAB Trade right now.
4: So last week, it was very predictable. If you were watching the market, if you weren't watching the market, you might not have uh, been aware, but CBA had their quarterly update. And even though it looked really great at a headline level, it was very, very disappointing when you look a little bit more closely. Uh, price was off 8% on the day and another 2% later. So it was off about 10% for the week. And our guys just love that. That's an opportunity that they can't pass up. A lot of our investors feel like they've missed CBA. It's run much harder than the other banks, that you know, and by an enormous margin, let's be clear. And for those who weren't holding it, a lot of people have been unwilling to chase it, particularly over the last 12 months, so it hasn't been in our numbers. When it's off 10%, the volumes in CBA, 95% plus buying, uh, absolutely enormous. People were all over it. So it seems
0: to me then, and we've talked about this before, how when good quality companies get smashed, um, the NAB trade people are a bit like uh, Warren Buffett acolytes, you know, buy I, um, when everyone's um, getting really fearful.
4: They're very aware of buying the dip and they're very astute about holding out for their favoured so- stocks at a discount. It's worth noting, CBA was at $75 12 months ago, so it's not cheap right now above $90. It's nobody's definition of cheap and it still trades at a significant premium to the other banks. Most analysts feel that that's valid because... They've got an incredibly strong business model. Some of the other banks have some challenges that, uh, that are very apparent. Westpac got absolutely hammered after their annual results. And we saw a lot of buying in Westpac at that point. A lot of people feel that it will come back eventually. CBA is a different proposition. But for those who feel they've missed out, they'd rather buy it at $95 or $92 than at 106
0: Yeah, exactly right. Okay, that's CBA. Any other local stocks that have been uh, getting a lot of attention?
4: being really popular look it's still all about Fortescue it's incredibly popular and BHP's in there as well Fortescue has been a really interesting trade this year because the iron ore price just absolutely skyrocketed and then has fallen back to earth even though it's well above its long run average so its long run average is about 60 US dollars a ton it's still sort of 80 90 dollars a ton so well above that kind of pricing, but it was at 220 earlier this year, which was just extraordinary. Everyone knew it was a, a unusual, extremely unusual. But what it did was allow people to trade very actively a high quality company and I really enjoyed that because you can watch what happens in the iron ore price overnight and predict very clearly what's going to happen to Fortescue with a fairly high degree of confidence so that was a hugely popular stock this year and still frequently in the numbers people really like it BHP is really strongly in the numbers too so it was sort of not there for a while it's back in the banks are back in much more so than they have been for a while where we're seeing trimming Telstra hits four dollars and it just gets absolutely uh, sold off across the board. Everyone has an alert at $4 and wants to trim it down. So Telstra has been sold off at $4. The average sell price was $4.02 during the week. Yep. Uh, CSL is getting sold over at $3.10. So a lot of people picked it up around the two fifty dollars mark last year and earlier this year. It hasn't been a strong performer post-COVID because it's never made it back to its highs, unlike many, many other stocks. So CSL gets trimmed above 3.10. So we're seeing a bit of trimming in stuff that's performing quite well at the moment and picking up anything that gets hurt.
0: What about local tech or payments um, stocks? Have any of them either been in favour or out of favour in recent times?
4: There hasn't been a strong theme there. Uh, Buy Now, Pay Later was all the rage last year. So Afterpay... Yeah, the stock that everybody talks about. Obviously, they've got that deal going with Square. Once that deal was finalized, we saw very aggressive selling. That's really interesting to me. So there was the announcement. Then there was the ACCC approval, for want of a better word. They just said they weren't going to look at it. Once it seemed clear that was going to go through, our guys got rid of it. It's really apparent people don't want to be be holding a Square depository receipt in Australia. They're not interested in the aggregated entity when it, when it comes to market, they just want to get rid of those shares. They've done extremely well out of them. And then when we look at the other Zip was hugely popular last year. It's not really in the numbers much at the moment. Uh, there just doesn't seem to be a strong appetite for those sorts of things. If zero gets beaten up a bit, we see it. It's quite popular, but otherwise it's pretty quiet in that front at the moment.
0: Okay, so what about um, your foreign play? I've always been interested that, There are a lot of Aussies happy to play with Elon Musk. What's What's happening in the Tesla story?
4: Yeah, so Tesla, this this is actually an incredibly interesting story. So when I give updates about what people are buying and you always talk about international, it's actually a really meaningful part of what people trade and invest in now. When it first started, it was a bit... bit sexy, but at the margin, you know, there wasn't a lot of activity there. Now it's sort of between 10 and 20% of total volume all the time. People are consistently looking to take their portfolios offshore, not just through ETFs and managed funds, but also looking at buying the direct holdings. And Tesla is number one. It was Apple for the first few years. Then it's been Tesla really for the last two to three years, very consistently. It's been an absolute roller coaster ride. Everything's happened with it. They've had a stock split. They got uh, included in the S&P 500 index in the top 10 stocks, finally became profitable. A lot of things have happened with it. It is incredibly popular. It is now just outside our top 10 holdings overall, okay. which when you think about it, you go, That pushes out Rio, it pushes out Woodside, it pushes out these enormous Australian companies that have been around forever and are in in the comfort zone for a lot of Australian investors. Tesla is now pushing those behind it because there's so much passion for that company and that stock. What we also find that I just love and I think it's really interesting is when our investors want to invest in green, renewable, impact investing type stocks, anything with an ESG theme, they go offshore to do it. It's not an Australian theme. It's harder to do on the ASX. Mm. In our top 10 stocks, we've got three electric vehicle manufacturers. We've got plug power, which is green hydrogen, for want of a better term. We've got Enphase Energy, which is a, a very highly regarded Uh, solar company. They make microinverters for solar panels. You probably have them on your roof. I have them on my roof. Uh, So they're they're actually widely used in Australia, even though people might not make a connection to the company. This is the sort of stuff they're buying offshore. It's not what they can get in Australia, but when they go offshore, they're looking for COP26 uh, decarbonisation themes that they're not able to get access to here.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it was around March of this year where I Wrote a story about when Tesla's share price fell for your for your website. I think you said this is a pretty courageous story, but I'm looking like a genius now. But i got to say, I was scared when I was writing it.
4: It's look, it's a roller coaster, right? Tesla is a roller coaster, and it is the most expensive car company. Uh, it's not the most expensive, full stop. I don't think anymore because we've had Rivian come to market, and they are brand new and now bigger than Volkswagen. So, <laughs> so people are putting a lot of a lot of faith in these companies that they are the future and they're paying for that. They're paying a very significant premium. But people want to be part of the future and they don't think that buying internal combustion engines is going to be the way to go anymore.
0: That's right. You also, you can play Bitcoin through Tesla as well because they've got a pretty big holding. All right. You can play okay. solar
4: through them if you want. You can do a lot of things.
0: <laughs> okay. So that's, that's it. Um, is, is there a Bitcoin play on, on that Trade that your, your um, investors are, are using?
4: There is a new ETF that is a a crypto leader's ETF, uh, a lot of small buys in that. It's a really specific demographic who are keen. You need to really look underneath these things and work out what they're investing in because it's not explicitly Bitcoin per se. Uh, So there's no, to the best of my knowledge, approved ETF that allows you access to the underlying asset. They'll give you spot pricing and all of these other things, but you need to be quite careful to understand what it is that you're buying and whether or not that's something you want to hold in your portfolio. But we're seeing some appetite for it. People are pretty keen.
0: Yeah, okay. And Gemma, before we go, it's a really important day for NAB Trade tomorrow. Why don't you tell us about that?
4: Yeah, it's an incredibly special day for us. It's our annual charity trading day. You guys have been incredibly supportive and we appreciate that so much. It's really wonderful. It's, uh, it's a day that we did give 100% of our brokerage to charity. So every dollar that our investors and our traders place with us on the day, the brokerage they pay, goes straight to charity on the day. And last year, Ross McEwen, who's our CEO, actually doubled, like he matched the contribution that our investors made, which was amazing. So it's a really special day. In the past, we've supported a whole variety of domestic charities. We've supported Rural AIDS, uh, Youth Mental Health Initiative, Borrumbotic Hay Runners, uh, giving hay to drought-stricken farmers, the Luke Batty Foundation, which was really close to a lot of us. So a lot of really important, valuable charities, but... This year is really different, right? It's been such an extraordinary year and so many have suffered so much. So we're partnering with UNICEF this year to look globally and using their Give the World a Shot campaign, which is where they will be uh, giving vaccines for COVID-19, or against COVID-19, to people who'd otherwise not be able to get them. They can't just walk into their local medical center and... UNICEF has extraordinary infrastructure. They vaccinate half of the world's underprivileged children. They're the biggest vaccine buyer in the world. They are using that infrastructure to provide vaccines for adults now in many of those communities. It's a real privilege to be part of it. So 80% of our brokerage will go to UNICEF tomorrow for that campaign specifically. The other 20% will go to the ASX Refinitiv Foundation. They support 10 different underlying charities. And it is an industry event now, but we're still the only broker that a retail investor can participate through. So if you happen to be wishing to make some trades tomorrow, if you happen to be thinking about trading, we would love you to do it through an app Trade and you can give the world a shot. And
0: I guess in many ways, you'd hope that the market really gets smashed tomorrow. So lots of... <laughs> but I don't.
4: We want some like dramatic things to happen. Tomorrow. Really important things. Ball. Yeah, big sell-off <laughs> overnight in the US, something like that would be awesome.
0: Yeah. I'll go for a small sell-off. I can live with that, because i would be a buyer definitely for small <laughs> sell-off.
4: So we're all Gemma about Dale guys, from right? Nab
0: Trade. Thanks for joining us.
4: Fantastic. Thank you so much.
0: And that was Gemma Dale of Nab Trade. And before we go, let me remind you on November 30, we have the virtual Switzer Income Conference for 2021. This is all the kinds of investments that you can in a sense, make income out of as opposed to just purely going for capital gain. Some of them will be capital gain and income, others will be a pure income play. So if you're looking for that kind of thing, register in the link in the description below. And I look forward to seeing you or talking to you when that conference is on on November 30. Once again, thanks for joining us on the program. And I'll talk to you on Thursday night.